Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Tonight, Matthew chapter number two, and I want to begin reading with verse number one. And I am going to kind of start us out in a Christmas direction here on this first Wednesday of the month of December. The Bible says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, Thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor. Thou shalt rule thou that shall rule my people in Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when he had found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Amen. That we may come and worship him also. I don't really have per se a Uh, fabricated title for this tonight but uh, if I could just draw our attention toward a certain thing I want to just kind of go down the road a little bit here this evening with the Christmas story and consider what people's reactions were to the first Christmas and how they may be in this day and age as well our reaction I should say to Christmas what is our reaction to Christmas Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, I come before you. You able to bring every mind, Lord Jesus, into, Lord, captivity right now and every thought to the obedience of Christ the Lord. I pray, O Lord Jesus, this evening that you're able to help us, God, through your word. Pray, O Lord, open up our mind and our understanding. I know, God, that you're able to help us in the next few moments, God, to lean in to whatever the Spirit may be trying to say to us. God, I want to hear plainly, God, what the word of the Lord would speak to me. Help us, O Lord, to have the proper response, I pray, God, in this day and in this hour. Lord, and I thank you and I'll praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. 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 You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. What is our response to Christmas? Uh, It is no surprise, and I'm not trying to insult your intelligence tonight, but cradled in this festive season right here is reserved a day not too many days from now called Christmas. And this time of year to some have become an old hat to them. It's become something that is just a faded ritual of formalism that they do and participate in year by year. The brilliance and the excitement it once held for them is now long gone and it's only a distant memory of the excitement that used to accompany this season in particular that day called Christmas Day. There's others though that can't wait for it to be over. No sooner, I love that light, no sooner than it has arrived they're ready for it to already have been passed. 
There are others, though, that are somewhat maybe giddy with excitement with its arrival. Uh, they're so giddy that they just kind of mix and muddle and blend Thanksgiving and Christmas together into one huge holiday celebration because they are happy about its arrival, happy about its being here, can't wait to celebrate and indulge in everything there is to indulge with in that time and that season. And for them, this segment of the year is perhaps brighter than all the rest. It, it's met with anticipation. It's met with a sense of expectancy for all the experiences that will soon follow them. And one would think that these responses are just typical of our day, typical of our hour and the life in which we now presently live, that they have not evolved, that they have not come into place, that they've not evolved from just a worn out and aged story of the birth of Christ Jesus. And no doubt, folks, I understand tonight that this holiday has been largely commercialized in our day today. And there's some that may refrain from it or be over it or their memory of it may be faded. They can't wait for it to be over because that they have commercialized something that has been very sacred, the meaning of Christmas. But I also wonder tonight how many beyond the commercialization of Christmas, how many have somehow just grown old with the true sacred meaning of the holy night, of the birth of Christ Jesus. Our assumption this evening would be this, looking backward to the first Christmas story, our assumption would be that Israel longed for their deliverer to come in the form of that child. No doubt some would think that that longing would create a sense of expectancy for the whole nation and the house of Israel. 700 years from Israel's prophecies of a virgin that would conceive and this would-be child to bear the burden of an increasing government without end would perhaps bolster their faith, bolster their anticipation, bolster their hope. Amen. They're building upon the trustworthiness of generations before them. Each preceding generation, no doubt, rehearsing in their children's ears of a prophecy of Isaiah of how there would be a woman and there would be a child and he would be a deliverer. A new generation, no doubt, that would just carefully every day ponder the idea in their hearts and cautiously be looking with their eyes, scanning in their day for the sign from heaven of a deliverer, of a king, of somebody that could somehow bring comfort to their people. If we would just remember here for a moment, they have been through a litany of foreign rulers. They have been under the hands of Gentile oppression and rulers for decades, if not even centuries. The Babylonians have been hard upon them. The Medes and the Persians have been difficult upon them. The Grecians have had hands upon them. The Romans have had their thumb upon them, their government upon them, their religious practices looming over their heads. Surely God's elect would somehow be emboldened in their faith, ready for a day of reprieve, ready for a day of relaxation, ready for an answer from God through a man-child that would be born. Even our more current writers of just a few decades ago would think that that era was a time when there would be supporters rather than rejectors of the birth of Christ. For some put the pen to the page and wrote carols like, O come, O come, Emmanuel, thinking no doubt, giving credence to the type of thinking that back then they were waiting for the Messiah. 
Back then they were expecting the king of glory to come in the form of a child. They believed that those people were not only ready for that day, but they believed that they were beckoning his arrival to come as well. We read in the book of Daniel that Daniel even had left them, his people, the nation of Israel, an approximate timetable to help discern the season of the child's arrival. And although that is the case, there are some that are found in the scriptures that are anxiously waiting for his appearance, anxiously waiting for the birth of that child. But there are others, though, even in scripture that are callous to the fact that it might happen that it may happen, and yet there are still others that could care less if it ever happened, care less if it ever materialized, care less if it ever took place, maybe even hopeful that it would fail. Everybody say amen. Even hopeful that it would fail. As I read the scriptures, I understand then some people's attitudes just to the Christmas season or maybe the real Christmas Christmas reason, as varied as they may be today, were not too far misplaced from what they were on that first Christmas, what they were in that first day. For I read in scripture after Mary had given birth to the child. And I know that this is a story. And if you can hang with me, you know the story just probably as well as I know the story. And since that's the case, then we can rally around the story that whenever that babe was born unto Mary and the angels went and spoke unto the shepherds that were in the field concerning the arrival of this Savior, they spoke unto them. They said, this is Christ the Lord is what they spoke unto those shepherds. It's amazing to me the anticipation of the shepherds when they heard what came to pass that they heard was going to come to pass all throughout the generations of their families and their lives. They may have heard of this from grandparents and great-grandparents, but now it was more than just a story to be relayed. Now it was more than just something that had been passed down from generation to generation. It was something that had come to fruition. And the Bible tells us that whenever those angels stopped saying and stopped announcing the birth of the king, the Bible tells us in Luke number 15 that whenever the angels left, the response of the shepherds was on this wise but they said let us now everybody say now they said let us now go even unto Bethlehem. What were they saying? They're saying the things that our families have been hoping for, the things that our family's been waiting for, the deliverer that's been spoken in history time past has now arrived. Boys, let's just quit whatever we're doing right now and let us now leave and go unto Bethlehem and behold the deliverer in the face of a child. Let's leave right at this moment. The Bible says it describes whenever they came to that room, it said that they made haste to go to see where the Christ child was. Folks, I don't think it is any coincidence that the first ones to come to that manger, the first ones to enter that room were shepherds that were watching their sheep by night. If I can make a parallel for us tonight, all throughout the scripture, pastors are heralded as shepherds. If anybody should have a positive response to the deliverer, the God that manifested himself in the flesh, it should be the shepherds making hate. If I can, under certain terms, we've dumbed down the season. Even pastors have dumbed down the season. We've commercialized it in our churches. It's just a good place to give a four-part series about Christ and how he came into the world. It's a good time to have times of fellowship and times of eating and gift giving. But if I can be a shepherd of that hour, amen, let me say this. Let's just stop whatever we're doing, whatever we're preoccupied with. Let's lay it aside. Let's make haste. I know it may have been thousands of years ago 
but God is still with us. I feel responsible as the shepherds of long ago. The Bible says after they had their meeting with Christ the King, after they beheld him and seen that it was true, the sign of the babe being wrapped in swaddling clothes, after all this took place and they made haste and they went and seen Mary and Joseph and the babe. The Bible says whenever they left that place that they went forth and they made this thing and this saying known to everybody they came in contact with. Honey, as a shepherd in 2015, I'm trying to make it known I'm trying to herald the alarm that unto you is born this day unto you is alive in this hour unto you is still in existence in this world Christ the Lord they had a certain response to that first Christmas positive response as it were 40 days removed from the birth of that child at eight days old, it would go to the temple and it would be called its name Jesus. But after the days of her, of her purification, which would have been around, I think, 40 days, if the Old Testament scripture bears on my mind correctly, she would go and she would dedicate that child unto the Lord. And while she is on the verge in bringing that child into the temple of the house of the Lord, there are two characters in particular that the book of Luke point out. One is by the name of Simeon. Another one is by the name of Anna. The Bible speaks of Simeon in such a way that he must have been an aged man because the Bible says that he was waiting that he might see the Lord's Christ before he sees death. So he must be an aged man. He, is, he has carried this in his bosom for all of his life about the possibility of something that was better than what he had, about a possibility of something that was greater than what he experienced. He said, Lord, just sustain my years until I see the Lord's Christ. Just sustain my years until I witnessed what's been prophesied and what's been spoken about. The Bible says whenever that Christ child was brought into the temple, that the spirit of the Lord came unto Simeon, and Simeon came into the temple, and he seen Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and the Bible says nobody said anything to him. Nobody said this is the one, but he recognized something in the spirit. I've walked in this temple sundry times, but never have I felt what I'm feeling right now. There's something near. There's something close. There's something nigh. And what he experienced was the presence of the almighty God in that child. And he took that boy up in his arms and he blessed God and he said, now, God, you can let me die in peace. Now, God, I can go on. Why? Because I have seen, I have seen what you have given to us. I've seen what you prepared for us. I can go on into glory now because according to your word, you sustain my ears. This is what I've been expecting. And so Simeon, an old man, has a positive response. The Bible speaks of Anna. She lives out her days, elderly as well. She is in the temple virtually every day. She does not depart, the scripture says, from there. As though she lives there. And she serves God with her prayers, with her fastings, night and dead. Temple, not foreign to her. She didn't just show up at festival time. That was her dwelling. 
night, day, prayers and fasting. The Bible says she was of great age. She was a great age, four score and four years. 84 years old. Anna in the temple, mindful about the temple, praying in the temple, fasting in the temple. But when she seen that little boy, <laughs> child still yet at that, 40 days, enter the temple. It's in an instant, the Bible says, that she like Simeon gave thanks unto God and said, I'm gonna tell everybody because redemption has come to the temple today. Redemption. What are you talking about, Anna? This is the one who was going to be called Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. Redemption has come to the house of the Lord today. How do you know that, Anna? Hey, temple is my life. I'm acquainted with prayers. I'm acquainted with fastings. My response to God being with us is not to take it lightly, not to shrug it off, not to push it aside. I identify what this is that walked in this building today. My response is a positive response. He's here and I acknowledge it. Redemption has come. And then in the setting of the scripture that I read to you this evening we would expect such maybe from Simeon. We would expect such from Anna making her life the temple. But Matthew 2 harnesses in a group of people whose attention and living wasn't about the temple. As a matter of fact, they were quite estranged from the temple. The Bible says these are some wise men that came from the east. They came from afar over in the eastern area and you know we surmised before when we did the, stand, the, the, the study of Daniel because it seems like those of the Babylonians were the first that were taken up with astronomy and astrology of studying the stars and we just surmised if perhaps it could have been somebody from there and if that's the case we're talking about someone that wasn't a Jew but somebody that was a Gentile somebody that didn't have per se at this moment in time no right and no privilege. But the Bible says they came from the east. A direct distance, if it were Babylon, from Babylon even to Jerusalem would have been a 500 mile distance. A direct line. But it wasn't a direct line to Jerusalem. They had to travel the right path, which would have been around 900 miles from where they were to Jerusalem. And then five to 10 more miles onward unto Bethlehem. They traveled great distance because the Bible says these people that look at the sky and studied the sky and astronomers and astrologers that were taken by all of creation that was above their heads, they noticed on a particular day that there's another star up there that wasn't there yesterday. 
and there's a compelling in their spirit and this is the only way I can explain it folks I believe and this is just personally my opinion I believe whenever Daniel was among the Babylonians he put enough truth in them enough understanding in them they knew how a star would appear and the scepter would come out from Judah they knew that something took place and that had been passed down on their side of the family for years and so as they're studying the sky looking at the stars something new appears there's a wonder in their mind I wonder if that could be the Messiah that old Daniel of old while he was in Babylon spoke of and so they set on a journey. They set out on a journey because it was just ethics. It was just ethics. If there's a new king that you go and pay homage to the new king, he said that he would be the king of the Jews. We're going not necessarily under the instruction of knowing that he's God, but under the instruction of knowing that he's a king. And we're gonna pay some honor to the king. And so they'll journey those 900 miles. They'll show up in Jerusalem thinking this will be the city that he is at. This will be the city where he abodes and they go to Herod that's there at that moment and they ask Herod who is a ruler at that time they say Herod we have traveled much distance and, and we assume that the king of the Jews has been born here we've seen his star in the east and we've come here to worship but they have no privilege they have nothing that ties them in with all this but they say we've come here to worship him right. now here's Herod a Roman that's over the Jews at this time. He's privy to their history. He's privy to their law. And the Bible says these words in verse number three, and it's important. When Herod the king had heard these things, Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Shepherds say, let's go. Simeon says, nobody's got to tell me who that, I know what this is. Anna says, I identified, this is, I know what this is. But Herod says, it troubles me that this prophecy that has been spoken may have just very well come true. And not only does it trouble him, but it troubles all of Jerusalem, which is largely filled with Jewish people. Uh-huh, someone say, uh-huh. And so he gathers together the scribes, Herod does. He gathers together the scribes and he says, scribes, where does the old prophecy say that the Messiah should be born? The scribes knowing the word well, knowing the law well, not having to dig through their books. They knew the prophecy. They said, listen here, Herod, this is what the prophecy says. The prophecy says that he should be born in Bethlehem. And so Herod took that news to these individuals. We don't know if there's three or if there's 12. The Bible just says they're wise men. It's just a common misconception that there's three because they brought three gifts. If we can just, you know, knock out all the garbage. All your nativities are wrong. Okay, eight. But nevertheless, and so here he is. He brings this word back to these wise men and he takes him aside. He says, I want to know when the star appeared. I want to know because all we have is a little timetable from Daniel about the season when all of this could happen. That's all the Jews have, the season about when all of this could take place. But you pagans, you've been watching the sky and you see and you know, you know the moment the star appeared that he came into the world so you know the timing. And the religious rulers say, well, we know where. The pagans knew the time. But the Jewish people knew the place. Now here's what baffles me tonight, ladies and gentlemen. 
He gave this information to these pagans that had no lot, no heritage in this, that said, we're going to worship him. He gave them the information that the place is Bethlehem and sent them on their way. And the scribes who are knowledgeable of God's word knew the place and due to the pagans also knew the time, but they did not go. They knew the place and now knew the time, but they did not go. Ladies and gentlemen, what a tragedy it is. Even whenever I think back to Simeon and Anna, what a tragedy it was that there were probably several beyond them that day that went to God's house, but they failed to see God's son. That they went to the house of God, but they missed the God of the house. Amen, because Anna and Simeon were connected. Anna and Simeon were praying and fasting with anticipation and expectancy about what was gonna come. And so they noticed it whenever it arrived in the house. But there were several that entered that day that it was just another ritual, just another form, just another temple service, just another fashion, and the great God that had been promised was right there among them, but they missed it. What is our response? What is going to be our response to Christmas this year? Is it going to be another well-packaged bow and just the right amount of noodles and ham and whatever it is that you serve on the table? Or is somebody going to be sensitive enough even in the month of December that whenever he, God comes among us, that they say, hey, wait a minute, hold on. We got to stop whatever's going on right now. And we got to acknowledge the master that is among us. I don't want the rest of the month attending God's house and missing the God of the house. I don't want to come just because it's what I do at the end of the year. I want it to happen have some type of experience with the master because God is with us. So it's amen. Amen. These pagans travel 900 miles and these Jews won't travel five to 10. Someone say glory. glory. The Jewish priests knew the scriptures. They pointed to the place but didn't go themselves. Isn't it amazing sometimes that those, just walk here, that there are sometimes those who should be directing others to Christ are strangers to him themselves. Pointing to people that's come 900 miles to a place but they haven't went and it's only five miles away from them. Point in a direction that they are strange to them. What's Christmas mean to us right now? Because it's the season, you know, we talk about the birth, we talk about the star, we talk about three wise men, as they say, and we debacle all of these things, and we can point people in the direction, but are we going to the place? Yeah, glory. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
much in, in reality, Bishop, it's not too far removed from what it was in that day. All Jerusalem was troubled to hear that Christ was born in a manger. You know why? Do you know why Jerusalem? And it seems, man, that goes against that goes against the mentality. Why in the world would Jerusalem be troubled that Christ the Lord, the King of the Jews, has arrived in Bethlehem? Why would they be troubled? I'll tell you why. Because the Jews had made the temple and the church different than what it had been. Right now, at the temple during the scripture setting, now, rather than a man bringing his sacrifice to God, raising it at his home, feeding it from its table, and investing the money there, now instead of bringing it, things have been set up now that you purchase your sacrifice. Listen to me, at the temple. And what this did was this. Now you've regulated, per se, temple worship to those that could afford it and you've cut off the poor. That's the reason why it was such a miracle in the Old Testament that it was spoken that whenever God came, he would preach the gospel to the poor because it was being left undone during the time right now because you could only come to the temple if you could afford the sacrifice. And so now you was paying for sacrifices in order to have any type of activity in the temple. And you want to know why they're troubled? Because the God of the house had showed up. And now all this stuff of making merchandise of God's house when he wanted it to be a house of prayer is going to change whenever the owner of the house comes down and he walks into Jerusalem and he walks into the temple. He's going to challenge them and he's going to set things back in order. Why? Because now God is with us. Amen. He's going to set things in order. He's going to preach the gospel to the poor, the blind and the crippled. You know, whenever Jesus went in, turned over all those tables of the money changers and such, just shortly thereafter, the Bible says that the blind and the crippled came. Because something had happened, the dynamics of the way things, the way church used to be ran was over. Because the child has been born. And he grew up into a man with authority and power and a desire to do a change. Jerusalem was, Jerusalem was troubled because born in that baby was somebody that was going to challenge the status quo. I'm praying. I know he came once. And he's going to come again too, but this time not as a child. But I know he came once and he's not necessarily going to be born again in a stable in this particular month and nor was it necessarily this particular month that he was born. But that's for another day and another hour. But we regard it and we revere it in this particular month. And I know he's not going to come down again, but he's still here. He's still with us. And the attitude that I want to have to him, I don't want to be troubled over him. I don't want to be troubled over him showing up. I don't want to be troubled over his spirit just wanting to take control. I wasn't troubled a few Sundays ago when God came down and you responded to his presence and to his spirit and some shouted and some danced and some spoke in tongues. That didn't trouble me. That's God putting his house in order. That's God making everything right. That's his spirit somehow coming against the status quo of the way that it was, tradition, formalism, shaking it up. We all have a response to Christmas. 
I just go say this just to say this because I can? This goes over too bad tonight. We might pick one of the sermons from this year and preach it next time. You know what's interesting to me, Bishop? Generation of the Jews living in that community of that time, troubled. I can't say you always go off of this, but sometimes it's a good barometer. But Simeon and Anna, those two elders, didn't bother them one bit that he showed up. I'm not, I'm a young man, all right? I'm a young man. You disagree, you're wrong, but I'm a young man. But I see a slant in society, even in the church. But some things, the generation of now is swallowing with acceptance, was never permitted. In the years of our elders. We're asking them for a removal of an old landmark. I'm not saying this is always the case, but listen to me. In this story it is. We need to sometimes take a little point of view from the elders. And say, I wonder what their comfort level with this going on is. And so I'll qualify what I'm saying. These are elders that were praying and fasting. Boy, I'm just getting to a big ball of wax here. So before you raise your hand about what you need to do and what needs to be done and what's okay or not okay, practice the practice of Anna. Live at the temple, pray, fast. There's some be carnal elders too if you're not praying and fasting. But we all have a response. The elders said, we're fine with this. And then Simeon said, this is great. We've been expecting this. This is redemption. This is the Lord's Christ. All this fine. Everybody else says, we're troubled. We don't know about this. Why? Because it was messing with their present way of doing things. Herod, once, you want to talk about responses? Herod says, you tell me what time the star appeared and you go on to Bethlehem and if you find him, you come back and tell me so that I could go also and worship. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Ulterior motive. I don't have to make the trip. You go make the trip, just verify he's there. And once I know he's there, you've also told me when the star appeared. So I know when he was born. So I know what type of decree I need to make about who needs to be killed. Whenever, whenever the uh, wise men showed up to Jesus He's not a baby. The Bible says that they came to the house and there was the young child. There's a reason then, and this is Jen just exploiting all of the lies we are fed through tradition, that he must have been at least two years old because he had all two-year-old males and below slaughtered. So again, the nativity's wrong. <laughs> Wise men, even at that little manger, they weren't there. But Herod says, whenever you tell me, you let me know because why? His response to the birth of the child wasn't even that he had a calloused view, a faded view, or that he was an outsider wanting an inside view. 
He didn't want to have any part of it. And so in modern day society today, we are going to be met in this time of year with the very same type of mentalities. Some of it's just over the seas and the commercialization of it. But there are still some that are anxious to celebrate the coming of God in the flesh in this season. And there are others, though, it's grown old to them. Yeah, it's grown old because you start talking and preaching about God in Christ and they don't get a whoo. Like they used to get a whoo. Become faded to them. And there's others that don't want anything, don't want to know anything about it because they would rather believe a lie and be damned. You'll stand with me. I'll come to a close. Haggai prophesied, said, All the desire of all the nations shall come. It was bore out with those wise men that came from afar from other nations to this holy child called Christ Jesus. Herod was just staying true to his character. He was very brutal. He, he killed some of his own kids because he didn't want them to take his throne. Even a few days before his death, like five days before his death, he killed one of his boys. Just part of his mentality to do so. But folks, being this close and this close and this nigh to where God oftentimes comes down. We can bow our heads and close our eyes. Being this close and this night to where God oftentimes comes down. And we serve as a motto here in this church where heaven and earth connect. Being close and nigh to that. Please help me this season. Not to be pointing people in the direction that we're not willing to go ourselves. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.